How much clearer can I say? There's always money in the banana stand! Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am sportslogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today we're going to be talking about one of the the most fun, one of the wackiest brands that there that there is in all of baseball at any level, the Savannah Bananas. And I'm very happy to be joined by Jesse Cole, who is the owner of the Savannah Bananas. Jesse, thank you for being here. No, fired up to be with you, my friend. Oh man, me too. I am so I am so looking forward to this conversation. But I, Jesse, I have to admit, normally, you know, I normally I research this sort of you know one of the things I love about minor league baseball is the the hyper-local connections that these teams have to their communities and where these names come from. And I have to admit, it's been, it's been sort of a crazy morning, right? Like the kids wouldn't eat their wet food. I was late getting the cat to school. So it's just been, it's been a little bit of a wild morning. So I've got a couple different intros ready and you can just tell me sort of when I hit the one that's right for why the Savannah bananas are called the Savannah bananas. And, and then we'll just, you know, as they say, we'll just fix it in post. Is, is that cool? Perfect. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So as you know, uh, Savannah, Georgia is home to the United States' largest swaths of banana fields. I'm really happy to be talking to Jesse about, Jesse, am I on the right track here? So no, oh. you're actually completely inaccurate there. We actually got criticized so badly because we don't have bananas at all in Savannah. Oh, so that's not that. All right. So, all right. Uh, well, I've got another one. Stand by. It's okay. In Savannah, Georgia, uh, researchers are working round the clock to genetically engineer the yellowest banana at the usbi the united states banana institute no no sorry unfortunately that's not true at all either at all oh all right well all right well normally i've gotten it by now so let me just if you would just give me one more shot at this and then uh, and then we'll go ahead with the interview because I'm, I'm pretty sure now that i have it here so savannah georgia was the site of the bloodiest war in the civil war the famous battle of banana hill which after Union soldiers and Confederate soldiers, I'm impressed you. I'm impressed you found that, um, but that is actually completely inaccurate as well. Uh, Jesse, uh, all right. Well, you know what? Listen, uh, normally I don't do this, but would you mind just uh, telling me why the bananas are called the bananas? <laughs> I love that. Uh, so, like every team in the country, we do a name the team contest. But I was very, very, very specific. We want something dramatically different, not like anything else. We don't want to be a generic animal like everyone else. And so, what do we get? A thousand suggestions and 999 generic normal suggestions, yeah. except for one that was a little crazy. When we saw it, we knew that we could really have fun with this brand and make it something so much different than anyone else. And also we knew it could fit Savannah because Savannah is a quirky, unique, different, artsy, creative city. And if people would just give us a chance that this name would fit this city, uh, which took some time, but now fortunately it's really worked out. And so, but the reason, I mean, the actual reason the team is called the bananas, obviously, is that banana rhymes with Savannah. <laughs> That's right? what everyone said. Everyone said, did you just choose it because it rhymed? Uh, obviously, it rolls off the tongue and sounds well. But I think what we did that most teams don't do, we don't just think of a fun name. We thought of a brand of things we can do five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road. And we knew that it'd be so different. And we we're trying to make baseball fun this name could uh, could really make that difference. So yeah, I mean, we have so many things with bananas that we haven't even come close to doing with our team yet. And that's what's exciting. And I don't think many brands can do that, uh, play the long game there. 
Well, you've really lived up to the name, right? I mean, and you even have, and I'll just ask you to explain it for me. Can you tell me what is Banana Ball? <laughs> so Banana Ball is the new game that we invented, uh, started playing behind closed doors back in 2018. So I mean, long story short, six years ago, my wife and I were sleeping on an airbed. We only sold two tickets in our first three months. We were not yet the Savannah Bananas, but no one gave us a chance. They said, you guys are going to be like everyone else. Uh, we overdrafted our account. We were just down to our last dollar. We came to Bananas. We finally started to get some attention. And then we had we played that first game in front of a sold out crowd. They wanted to see us probably fail. And unfortunately, uh, we were wearing uh, green uniforms because we weren't quite ripe. <laughs> and 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 the, the team actually made uh six errors and they lived up to that and we That's lost kind of perfect yeah we lost badly but the banana nanas danced on the field in the rain while we were in a rain delay and four thousand fans stayed till the end of the game because they wanted to see what was going to happen and after that point they saw the breakdancing coaches and the dancing players and the banana baby that we had that we lifted up and saying nah savania that they <laughs> told everyone and lo, lo and behold, since that day, we've sold out every single game and have a wait list for tickets over 12,000. So how did that all happen? Where did Banana Ball come into play? We were watching our fans. And in the weird way, everyone's, oh, you watch your fans. We take videos and pictures every 30 minutes of our grandstand to see when fans are getting up, when they're leaving. And we started realizing, even with tickets being scalped for oh, over $100, and USA Today, the big store, people are paying $150, $200 on tickets to Bananas games. People were still leaving early. So we said, we got to come up with a faster game. So in 2018, we tested a faster game, banana ball, a two hour time game, batters can't step out of the batter's box. Uh, you can steal first, there's no bunting, there's no walks and if fans catch a foul ball, uh, it's an out. And we tested it and now we're taking it all over the country and it's amazing. We've sold out almost every city we've gone to uh, months in advance and we're expecting to sell out every game on this banana ball world tour. How many, how many cities are you visiting on this world tour? Uh, we're just doing seven this year. We'll go to 15 okay. to 20 next year, but we did a one, we started with a one city world tour right. in Mobile the year before and uh, crazily 7,000 tickets sold in 24 hours. And the support's been great. So what do you attribute that to? Is it the, is it the actual game of banana ball or is it, is this brand that, uh, you know, has sort of taken hold on, on, on social media? What is it about the, these, these, these barnstorming bananas games that that are selling out that are selling out well i think it started from you know every, every game in savannah sold out we're already sold out for next season in savannah so it's really big that kind of uh the brand building uh, we're just obsessed with our fans and and i say that i mean we are fanatic about our fans i mean there's no ticket fees no convenient fees we have no shipping fees uh, at, in savannah every ticket's all inclusive you can't come in our ballpark without getting your burgers hot dogs chicken sandwiches soda water popcorn dessert for twenty dollars and we, I mean, we have 55 promotions before the game even starts. Right. I mean, we have, we have a full march, we have parades, we have weigh-ins between both teams. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And so luckily now on, on TikTok, you know, we have almost 300,000 more followers than any major league baseball team. So wow. about to have a million followers. So I think the brand has really taken a life of its own. And, you know, every fan that buys a ticket from us, they get a thank you call. And when we put world tour tickets on sale, we sold almost 20,000 tickets. It is completely unscalable. We now have almost 30 staff members and we were calling all day, but it's that attention to detail, that obsession with the fans. And I think they're, uh, you know, becoming big fans of us. So how, you know, you're in the coastal plain league. That's one of our teams. Our professional team plays banana ball and that's the future of the bananas. That's really where we're going, but the college team, yeah, they won the championship again last year and they, they obviously compete tremendously well. And then that's by the traditional rules. Yep. 
Okay. But the professional team that plays banana ball, ha- has there been an adjustment for the players? Like, is there ever at that moment where a fan catches a foul ball and they're out and they don't realize it? You know, I'll never forget. It was the second game of banana ball last year on their tour. And with bananas were rallying, it was the fifth inning. We had runners on first and second. We were down in the game and our catcher hit a line drive foul ball into our beer deck. And a guy tried to protect himself and caught the ball <laughs> and it ended the inning and the whole stadium started booing him we brought a police officer up to him to jokingly escort him out of the stadium yeah. it was bad the catch the catch was like what are, you, what are you talking about why would you do that and right. it ended our rally so uh, you never know what to expect in a banana ball game and that was definitely a, a crazy moment that is wild so this this brand that you have right for you know what started as a, a collegiate summer level team right you you made the decision that you're going to go with this high-end uh, design firm, Studio Simon in, in, in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I should mention, by the way, that, that Dan Simon created the logo for my podcast, which I am absolutely in love with. So I, I, I know firsthand how the, the great work that Dan does. But the, the decision to go with a you know, really high-end design firm and to create this sort of serious logo for this very whimsical brand, uh, what was the thinking behind that? We were crazy. We didn't have... <laughs> I mean, literally we had zero money. We had zero dollars. I mean, I, I'm not joking. When my wife and I, we would go grocery shopping with just $30 every week. That's mm-hmm. all we had. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the team members were saying, Jesse, we can't afford to go with the high end. And I said, guys, we have to find the money. We can't afford not to. We're making a unique brand. We're making a fun brand. We have to. And luckily Dan worked with us a little bit, but we didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but we found a way to do it. But the big thing I realized is that this is such a fun name such a unique brand. We have to make it that people are proud, both players and fans to wear it. Cause most people say a oh, banana, it's a fruit that's soft. I mean, literally we have Dolce and banana underwear at our ballpark now. I mean, <laughs> we do things that are so silly and fun. We had to like that logo and, and Dan will always say it, that uh, the, the, the way that I instructed him with it is that we needed to make the banana um, bad, you know, I can't, I don't know if we, we cuss on this, but I wanted to be a, a, a fierce looking banana. I think you could say badass banana on here. All right. Think. All right. <laughs> that, that, that was, that was what I instructed him over and over again. And I want to be a badass banana with fun colors. I wanted fun tropical colors and I wanted to stand out and he nailed it. He absolutely, we made one change. He had the banana batting lefty. We made the banana batting righty. And other than that, it was just, it was game over for when we announced it. Well, and so now so much has changed in the court. I'll start by saying, you know, the, the Savannah uh, Sands Nats left town. Yeah. They were an affiliated team. They moved. They're now the Columbia Fireflies. Uh, they had a fun brand, but they essentially left town over apathy, right? Like they weren't drawing and, and Back of support. Yes. Yeah. They did not have a lot of support. So they left and then there was a brief interlude. And then you all came on the scene in the, the mid 2010s, 2015, right? Correct. Fall of 2015. Yes. Okay. So, so 2015, you come on board, you have the, the collegiate summer level team, and now you have this professional traveling team (laughs) that plays banana ball. What's next? What's coming? What's coming next with this, with this brand? I mean, it keeps growing by leaps and bounds. And every time you look up, there's something different happening. Yeah. uh, Expect the unexpected with us. I mean, literally on February 25th, 2020, two weeks before the pandemic was announced, uh, we eliminated all of our sponsorship in our ballpark. So we literally threw away hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is probably the worst business decision you could ever do before a pandemic. Um, but we believe so much in our fans. And we believe that no one comes to a ballpark to be sold to, marketed to, or advertised to. We are obsessed with the fan experience. And what's happened since that point is amazing. Our merchandise is now doing five times 
what we did in sponsorship revenue. We're doing hundreds of orders every single day all over the world. And I think it's because of that obsession and, and, and fanatic about the, the fans. So we will invent on behalf of our fans. This is something that Jeff Bezos made brilliant as far as Amazon. You know, they were a book company selling books and then they kept going where their fans want to go. For us, it's simple. We make baseball fun and we believe we're going to take the tour all over the world. Uh, we're going to build Banana Land here. Um, a stadium that's the most fun ballpark in the world with zip lines across the field and trains and breweries and you name it. We have it all designed here, tree houses. It's going to be outrageous. And I think that's our Disneyland. And so when we're very clear, we are not for baseball traditionalists. Are you hearing from the baseball traditionalists? Are you getting, you know, criticized out there or do you just hear that and just let it wash off your back? We've been criticized since day one here, you know, October 5th, 2015, when we first showed up, we, you know, you guys are going to fail. You'll never sell a ticket. You're an embarrassment to the city. Um, and yes, we lose season ticket holders every year uh, that are traditionalists. Uh, fortunately, that season ticket wait list is over 5,000 in itself. So we're okay. But baseball traditionalists said it's too much of a circus. It's too much. There's too much craziness. What are you guys doing? I mean, our players introduce themselves coming up to bat. We play in kilts. It's about fun and making the game fun. And what's amazing is the players play better because they have fun. So uh, if we're not getting criticized, we're playing it too safe. And so my goal is for us to continue to do things that may get criticized because I know we're pushing the boundaries of what can be done. So, well, I was going to ask you about the players as well, right? Like, I mean, obviously you're, you're, you're bringing in players who are used to playing a certain game and have been told to probably their whole life have been told to hit a home run and drop the bat and put their head down and run around the bases. And you're asking them to, to flip that on its head. You're asking them to get out there and make themselves the center of attention and have a great time and really like celebrate with the fans and interact directly with the fans, which is not always something that you see. How has that transition been for, for your players? It was very tough at first, obviously. I mean, guys were like, I'm not doing this. This is not what I'm about. I'm here to play baseball. But fortunately, you know, I think everything's based on recognition. And our fans recognize the players for the fun they have, not necessarily hitting two doubles or striking out 10 guys in a start. And so at every game, you know, what's big different for us is at the end of the game, every single player goes out to the front plaza with our pep band, with our characters, Princess Potassia, the man Anna's, the male cheerleading team, everybody is thanking the fans and the fans are dancing with them and signing autographs. And they're talking about the amazing moments, the things they did during the game that had nothing to do with baseball. When they came and delivered a rose to the, uh, their little daughter during a game, uh, you know, when they're, when they're getting their, their kids to sign their hats. So literally our players get autographs of little kids on the players hats. So it's just a complete flip of the way it is. And because of that, now the guys and the fact that, you know, this past summer, we had over 75 million views on TikTok of them doing things they haven't done before. And then SportsCenter and the ESPN shows, I think they're all in on it. And we attract those players that have showmanship and have fun and understand that it's a game and it's supposed to be fun. It isn't supposed to be serious and corporate, like unfortunately some of the highest levels have become. Yeah. Well, and so you've dovetailed, you mentioned uh, ESPN, you mentioned some of the media attention that you're getting. You're, uh, you know, this is an audio podcast right now, but you are wearing a yellow suit with a yellow hat and a yellow shirt and you are decked out. You've got that gigantic Savannah Bananas logo behind you, by the way, which I love. I, you know, can I, that thing looks like it must be six feet tall. Can I order one of those for the, uh, the recording studio here? That would be fantastic. It would, look, it would look good back there. It would look really good back here. So what I was going to ask you about was, the uh, you know the amount of media attention that you're getting and the, the amount of your time that you spend talking to essentially high end you know media platforms out there obviously way more than any other collegiate summer level team what are what are some of the bigger media platforms where you've appeared 
Oh, geez, we've been so fortunate. I mean, CBS came down last year. Uh, obviously, ESPN's done two features on us. We had MSNBC down here. CNN's been down here. Entrepreneur Magazine did a full story. And uh, now we're very close to a six-episode series on a big network that's uh, going to be announced pretty soon. So it's uh, really taken a life of its own. And I think, you know, we're fortunate, but it's really 15 plus years. I mean, I started in Gastonia trying things in grandma beauty pageants and flatulence fun nights and salute to underwear nights. And a lot of them that didn't work well. Yeah. It's 15 years of the journey of trying and testing and experimenting. And every single night at our ballpark, we do five to six promotions we've never done in front of a live crowd. When you have 50 plus games, that's, you know, that's 300 plus promotions. That's brand new. And so we're experimenting and testing faster than any team in the country. So we're getting to push the envelope and media has really been all over it. Yeah, absolutely. I asked Dan Simon about, you know, when I interviewed him, I just did a deep dive with Dan. It was a whole episode, Dan, with Dan talking about his work. And I said, which logo do you think you are best known for? And he sort of turned the question on its head a little bit. And he said, well, the logo that I've done is that is probably the best known is the Savannah Bananas. And he, you know, he pointed to all of this media attention. And this was specifically within minor league baseball, right? Uh, but he's done AAA teams. I mean, he's done countless minor league baseball teams, almost 100 different minor league baseball teams. And he pointed to the Bananas as the one that's gotten the most sort of recognition out there, a collegiate summer level team and a barnstorming banana ball team. What is it about the, the logo that I know it's, you know, partially this brand and this marketing that you all are doing, but what about the logo is it that's been so successful? Well, I give, I give Dan a tremendous amount of credit. I mean, before we were even a brand, uh, the amount of orders we did the first night it came out, it, it, people just identified it. You know, as much as people ripped us and said, that's the dumbest name I've ever heard of, no one ripped the logo. And we had hundreds of people criticizing us about how dumb and silly and stupid the name was. Not one person criticized the logo. And, you know, I've heard that. I mean, we were just on uh, Amazon Reacher, a uh, huge show that's taken off. And their, their producer wanted two of our shirts. And one of their characters is wearing our shirts. And he says, I love the brand, love what you guys doing, but I absolutely love the logo. And, and, and Dan nailed it. And I think what Dan does, that's, that's so good and so good for this industry. I probably talked to Dan more in two months than I did to my wife. Dan was literally like, he'll talk to you for an hour and a half. And I love yep. it, but uh, mm -hmm. I need to know this, I need to know this, I need to know this. And he gets to understand what's behind the logo and what we're trying to do. And that was so impressive with Dan and he, he, he nailed it. And it's going to be tough. You know, most teams in like 10, 15, 20 years, they go to retro logos, they change logos. We'll have to alternate a little bit, but I can't see how we can run away from that because it's just, it's what he's done is absolutely amazing. Never. Yeah. He does such good work and he's always been so generous with his time talking to me. So, and I'm about to talk to him next year uh, on, on this episode. Uh, Jesse, thank you so much for joining me. This brand is so much fun and it's, you know, such an, an amazing story. And I'm so happy to be able to, to feature you guys on the podcast because it's been one of my favorites. And so I appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. Where can, I know the bananas are easy to find. Where can people find you on social media? Oh, I spend all my time on LinkedIn. So I, sh I share the journey of the business lessons we learned. And I share my first book, Find Your Yellow Tux. And then my second book coming out uh, in May, Fans First. So all that, I'm on LinkedIn, very easy to find. The, the names of your books again, say them again. The first book that came out four years ago, Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out. And then the one coming out May 17th, which I can't wait, Fans First change the game, break the rules, create an unforgettable experience. Fantastic. And those are available all the places? Everywhere. Everywhere. Jesse, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. And I'm going to absolutely look into those books. I appreciate you letting me know about them. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. All right, Jesse, take care. Hi there, everyone. Welcome back. 
it's such a pleasure now to have on the podcast for the first time, the first interview that we've recorded since Dan created the amazing logo that accompanies my podcast now. So before we get started talking about the Savannah Bananas, Dan, I just want to say one more time, thank you so much for this amazing logo that you created for Baseball by Design out of generosity and the goodness of your heart and this amazing skill and attention to detail. It was, it was so much fun to work with you on that process. And I want to do an episode where we just talk about that logo, right? I want to do a segment where we talk about the, the work that went into that logo. But for right now, before we talk about the Savannah Bananas, let me say on the record officially to your face, thank you again for that amazing logo that got a huge reaction on social media. Well, of course, you were very, very welcome. Um, amazing podcasts need amazing logos. <laughs> That's, that is way too kind, but I appreciate it. And I'm so happy now to be talking to you about the Savannah Bananas, which are just taking the world by storm right there. This, this, this amazing brand that you've created is just really, uh, you know, I'm seeing it everywhere, right? I mean, I did not know. I did not have forewarning when I was watching the Amazon Prime TV show Reacher that one of the characters was going to be wearing a Savannah, not just a Savannah Bananas t-shirt, but two Savannah Bananas t-shirts, one of which I actually own. He was wearing the same Bananas uh, t-shirt that I had worn just a couple of days prior. So your your Bananas logo is everywhere. When you say two t-shirts was, I'm assuming not at the same time. No, in episode one, he had uh, the sort of two-tone baseball style shirt where it was the Savannah Bananas text with the logo sort of smaller underneath it. And then in episode five, he was wearing the gray t-shirt with the big logo on it, which is the one that I have and wear all the time and would be wearing right now had I not just worn it a couple of days ago when I interviewed Jesse Cole for this podcast. Well, just out of curiosity, I, I did not see the show that, that you're talking about. Did the fact that he was wearing it, uh, two different t-shirts on two different occasions, uh, did it have anything to do with the show or he it just happened to be what he was wearing and he was wearing them twice i think so i know from having just talked to jesse that the show actually reached out to him that they reached out to the team to request a couple of t-shirts and i think it was just to establish this character as someone like me who is very fashionable and wears minor league baseball t-shirts all the time so it's uh the set the show is set in georgia and he was sort of a a young unsure of himself sort of funny character who is a he's a coroner is slightly nervous coroner right like and so i think it was just meant to be sort of part of his character as he's the sort of person who'd be a coroner who wears a goofy minor league baseball shirt so yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't associate that logo with with what a coroner wears (laughs) yeah exactly Um, that's that's fun it, it made it it made it very funny. So so this obviously, you know, when when we did our deep dive episode and I asked you what was the logo that people uh, associate you most closely with, you identified this one as being not necessarily one that people associate you with because not everyone makes that connection between the logo and the designer. But you said that this one was perhaps your best known logo and now even better so that it's been featured on a, you know, national streaming TV show. So I'll just ask you to go back to the drawing board here. What was your process when you were charged with creating what Jesse Cole has described as a badass banana? Well, what you just said, that that was it. That even though when Jesse first contacted me, we we talked at length. Um what what it all came down to seriously was a a 
one word or two words with a hyphen, I guess, brief. Uh, he, at the very end of, of what was otherwise a pretty long conversation, in which, during which I ask all the questions that I, or the types of questions I, I, I ask every team with, with which I work, uh, he, he just says, you know what, this needs, this needs to be a badass banana. And so that badass was, that was the, the creative brief. That was, and it was a brief brief. Uh, and that really informed everything that we, we did. Creating this banana, you had to take a serious approach to creating what ultimately was a fairly silly concept for a logo. As a serious graphic designer who does serious work, how does how does that affect your process when you know you you have to approach it seriously? I mean, it's like a comedian who plays it straight, and that's what makes it funny. How do you approach? Okay, I'm a serious graphic designer, and I've got to create a badass banana. Well. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a serious graphic designer in that this is what I do for a living, but uh, the reality is what it turns out I do most of the time for a living are, are silly things, you know, I'm anthropomorphizing virtually, I've anthropomorphized virtually everything, bananas, um, ears of corn, I'm just looking around at some of these logos, um, clouds for the Trenton Thunder, um, lightning bolts, uh, nuts, and on and on and on. So it, it's, it's, I've got to do a good job and create um, professional artwork with it, but it's professionally creating something silly. And, and so that's really the approach, just do the best artwork possible in a fun way. So I know that part of your process is often, you know, understanding and even helping the teams come up with names that are significant to the local community. Jesse and I were kind of joking about, you know, essentially, I mean, that the name bananas relates to the overall attitude they have towards this, this baseball team or the, the baseball teams that they have that play under this brand. But in terms of creating this logo, there isn't really a connection like Savannah, Georgia, apart from the fact that that it rhymes, there isn't really a connection to the local community specifically. So did that create a any any kind of challenge for you to create the, a, a brand that wasn't really connected to the local place in that way, like many usually are? Uh, no, it didn't create an issue at all. Uh, so many of the, like you just mentioned, so many of the identities that I have done and that others have done for minor league baseball do indeed have a connection uh, to the the local community in which the those teams play. Um, but not all of them do. Like think about, you know, the Durham Bulls. What does a bowl have to do with Durham other than maybe they're, you know, back when that identity is originally created, you know, there are farms that have you know, livestock. So, um, you know, but uh, uh, no, it didn't create any issues with, with it. Uh, and, and what's interesting about it, you can say bananas have nothing to do with, with Savannah, but 
because of what Jesse has created with, with this team, uh, I would think that a lot of people associate now associate bananas with Savannah because it's 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 become so it's become such a phenomenon. People, like you mentioned, it's on on a on a TV on a TV show where they specifically re requested that T-shirt. Um, they've sold merchandise not only to people in all of the 50 states but but beyond you know numerous countries they they're doing i would imagine maybe when you spoke with jesse he he mentioned this uh, they're doing what they call a world tour although it's not uh you know they're 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 barnstorming in effect um and it now even though they call it a world tour it's the united states but i would not be surprised that if they ultimately take this to other countries um Matter of fact, I, if I were a betting man, I would bet that that's going to happen. So, um, so this is bananas are now something I, I would imagine that that if not actually associated with um, that people associate with Savannah, it's become the Savannah bananas have become such a thing in Savannah that I don't know that people look at it as something that it's like, why bananas? It's like, now you don't even think of it. It's just associated with, with the, you know, Savannah is, is kind of a very unique city. And this is certainly, the bananas are certainly a unique product. So it just fits in perfectly with, with Savannah, Georgia. So this episode is going to uh, drop on March 29. And so the bananas will be in, in the middle of their world tour. And coming up next on this episode, I'm actually speaking with a gentleman who goes by the Young Professor, and uh, he is going to be doing some some public address work. He's sort of an announcer, MC kind of guy, and so so he's going to be doing some work on that world tour itself. So the world tour obviously has become a big part of of this brand and this team, and it's really you know to me it's really interesting to see that first of all, they've got the collegiate summer level team that plays by the sort of traditional rules of baseball, but this, what they're calling banana ball, uh, you know, and has been essentially branded with this logo that you created is this completely wackadoodle version of the game, right? That, you know, has different rules and the players are announcing themselves. And, you know, if a, if a fan catches a ball, it's an out. And so, so this brand that you created in a, in a lot of ways is becoming associated with more than just a baseball team, it's becoming associated with this sort of baseball phenomenon out there, this, this new game that they're even creating. So there's no question there. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> I was just commenting on that. So uh, it was, you, you mentioned the world tour and it sent me, it sent me off on a tangent there. But the, the thing that strikes me about this brand is to, is to me how easy it would have been to double down on the silly name and to create a silly logo. And with everything about this identity, except for the fact that it's a banana, it's not silly at all, right? Like it's, you know, and I, we've used the phrase badass bananas, but even like the color palette has, uh, you know, to me, sort of a refined feeling. It's got the bright yellow and then this, this sort of subdued green and then the dark blue you know, the, the, the type is not over the top silly or anything like that. It's sort of a, you know, traditional kind of tropical feeling, almost script that you used. So you made a lot of design decisions that were decidedly not silly. And clearly that's intentional. Was there the inclination to work silly when you first started on this? 
No, and uh, I'm really glad you asked that question because when I when I said earlier about how I do silly things, um, when it's brought to me by the particular team in this case, when Jesse brought it to me, yeah, it's a silly idea. But the reality is this, and well, I'll finish my sentence. This is uh, this is baseball played by. This is a sport played by talented athletes, and there is a serious component to it. This is baseball. These those players have worked very hard to to be as good as they can possibly be at their craft. Uh, so, yeah, there's a silly component to it, but I look at it as my job to uh, present it in a way, present the silly I idea in a way that's not silly. And let me, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, this is something that, it, it didn't start with the Savannah Bananas. Uh, I think about 15 years ago, I did the Modesto Nuts identity. Mm -hmm. And when the team came to me with this name, I didn't name them the Nuts, they came to me with the name, as was the case with the Savannah Bananas. I did not come up with that name, that was Jesse. Um, with, with with the Modesto Nuts, I was told, I didn't speak directly with the team owner, I was speaking with the general manager, Mike Garassi, who is now, I believe, the president of, of that team. And he, he said, what the owner wants is, he wants to do with this identity what Disney did with Goofy. And now picture Goofy. I'm sure you, we all, everyone knows what Goofy looks like. You know, he looks goofy. He's got big clown size shoes that he wears. He's got, I believe he has buck teeth. He's just, he is goofy looking and very aptly named. Um, and what I explained to Mike at that time was minor league baseball does have something in common with Disney. And that's the fun family component of it. But one of the things that minor league baseball has that Disney doesn't is the professional athlete component of it. Now, of course, collegiate summer league teams are not professional athletes, but they are athletes. And mm -hmm. many of them will, I, I would imagine, will become professional athletes. Mm -hmm. um, and what I, so what I explained to Mike at that time is please tell your owner that what I recommend doing with this is taking what's otherwise a silly name and presenting it in a way where there's some attitude to it that's not goofy, but it, it ties this now to sports um, because this is gonna be played by athletes who are serious about what they're doing. And even with all of the theatrics and fun that go on at a Savannah Bananas game, uh, at least when they're playing in the, the Coastal Plain League uh, schedule, uh, they're trying to, to win. And, and by the way, they have. I believe they've won now two, world, two league championships, including this, I believe, this past season. Uh, so you need to bring something, I'll use the word professional 
into into the identity. And so th that's what I did back then with the Modesto Nuts. And that's what I try to do with every otherwise silly idea that is is presented to me by teams is to is to have fun with it, but also present it professionally. And you also you mentioned the typography. Um, it's a baseball team. So uh, I, I wanted to do lettering that was consistent with the look of baseball. Now, the, the actual script that I developed for that has a little bit of a softer feeling, a little bit of curviness to it. And I did that because it's the bananas. I wanted, you know, just the name and the a banana itself. I wanted to give it a little bit. I wanted it to still be typography that was con that worked with the the logo artwork yeah the typography I'm, i don't know yeah i mean you, you can say it in in so many ways that are better than what i could say but the, the typography is spot on right like i mean because that typography looks like obviously perfect for a baseball team but you know could also be used on packaging for a banana cream pie or something right like it's got a sort of soft banana e feeling about it like you described yes you put that very well that and and that was the that was the the feeling and the look I was I was trying to achieve, and apparently, based on what you just said, it seems like I I achieved what I set out to achieve. Well, you certainly did, and and you mentioned that the the Coastal Plain League and these collegiate summer level players, who many of them have a you know a choice of where they want to play. I know Chris Creamer once told me that he asked a major league player if everything else was equal, would they use a team's logo as a tiebreaker in where to sign as a free agent. And the major league player said no, but I wonder at the collegiate summer level league, you know, when you're talking about young athletes who have lots of choices as to where they might play during the summertime is a, a team like the Savannah bananas that has this now very popular logo. And before it was popular, it was very cool logo. I mean, not that it's not still cool, but even before it became popular, people saw it and really enjoyed it. I wonder if they have a better time, you know, attracting talented players and winning these championships because they have this awesome brand. Well, I couldn't say for sure, but I can tell you, well, first of all, I just want to make sure that all the listeners out there understand that even though I'd like to think I did a good job with, with the creation of this identity, um, the, the phenomenon that this team has become, um, uh, is, is Jesse Cole and the people who, who, who work with him and for him. Um, so kudos to all of them Th that that's not about me. That was the, the, and so when, when, if you've seen any of the videos that the Savannah Bananas put out, those players are having so much fun. Um, I, I, they're being asked to do some goofy stuff, mm -hmm. but boy, they seem to be enjoying doing it. Um, and so I would imagine that right there is incentive for anybody. If you're going to play collegiate summer league ball, I'd want to play for the Savannah Bananas because you're going to have a great summer. Um, the other thing is, now, with regard to what part I may have played in it, I remember, remember Jesse telling me the first season, now keep in mind, the, the phenomenon that they have become, and I'm sorry for, for using that word so many times, I just don't know how else it's to a, describe it's it. It's the appropriate word, absolutely, uh, right. 
you know, who knows how quickly that that happened. Um, but he said even in the first season, opposing players would go into the team store because they wanted merchandise. So that was before, you know, they were on ESPN and that was before they did their world tour. So I'd like to think that the merchandise did was appealing to as it were the fans and the and the people in the community, but but the, the players as well. And so I would I would love to think that it a really fun, cool logo does matter to the players, but in per the, the story you told, it it doesn't always. Well, I would say this of all the baseball logos out there, this one certainly does have appeal. Ah, I see uh, what you did there. Sorry, no, that's a slippery slope. I won't do that. So <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so uh, just w- one last question on the bananas and then I'll let you get out of here. The, uh, the bananas, this, I'm going to use the word that you've used phenomenon, right? It is a phenomenon. The bananas replaced in, an affiliated team. That's now the Columbia fireflies. They replaced the Savannah sand Nats, And that was one of those logos, kind of like the, the, the Skeeters, right. That sort of played up on this, uh, this idea of highlighting, you know, something in the local community, but something sort of hateful in the local community, right? Like sand gnats are awful. Um, So that team left out of, you know, the way I've described it is just basically apathy, right? Like the, the fans just sort of lost interest and stopped going and the team itself didn't seem to care that much about the, the fan experience. And, you know, so when the, the bananas came to town and Jesse knew that he was going to create this amazing fan experience and they knew to turn to a high-end designer to create something that was going to be appropriate to the experience that they're trying to create. The fact that it has become a phenomenon, I think defies all expectations and, and odds because they came in at a lower level than the team that had left. And I would, you know, I don't think anyone would have predicted that this team would have become the phenomenon that it is. And so I certainly think that, uh, you know, that this brand that you created is absolutely a a part of that. And, you know, I don't know if you could have possibly known that while you were creating it, but now that it has become that, I would think it has to be really edifying as a designer to see this brand. You know, I asked you once on one of our previous interviews, I'm doing my long question thing again, by the way, this one I promise will end in an actual question though, to see this brand now and what it has become you couldn't possibly have known that while you were working on it, but are you surprised that of all the things that you've created, this is the one that has, has sort of blown up the way that it has? Oh yeah, it was definitely a surprise. Uh, what you mentioned about the apathy of, of either the team or the fans or both um, in Savannah, uh, the, the sand nets, even though it was a sand net is a past, uh, it was a, it was a fairly popular identity, mm-hmm. uh, and but re, uh, uh, despite an otherwise popular identity, Savannah was at the bottom of the league uh, attendance standings, if you want to call them that, um, for years. They 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 could not draw a crowd, um, and when when Jesse contacted me, as much as I, I loved 
right away, as soon as he told me Savannah Bananas, this big smile just came on my face and I just couldn't wait to get started on the project. It was perfect. But I actually, I'm being completely honest about this. I felt a little bad taking his money because <laughs> I, I thought it, it was, I didn't think the team was going to make it because it was quote unquote, just collegiate summer ball. So it, as you mentioned, it was, a, it's a level, it's below low minor league baseball. If I'm not mistaken, the Sand Nats were a low A team. And so this is lower than one of the lowest levels of minor league baseball. Um, and, and I knew that they, they, their attendance was so poor. And I was thinking, I don't really see how you're going to make it. Um, now, later, I found out who, not who Jesse Cole was, but what Jesse Cole, and I want to give credit to everyone else who, who's there, okay? I just want to make sure that it's not, it can't all be Jesse Cole, but heck, he, he's, the, he's the ringleader. Um, I found out what he did and what he does, and, I, and I, with the benefit of hindsight, I'm not surprised at its success, but I was not expecting what it has become. Not at all. Well, it certainly has uh, become entrenched in the minor league baseball community. One of the most popular ones out there. And, and I appreciate Dan, you coming on and taking the, the time out of your morning to talk to me about the, the bananas. I always love our conversations and never know where they're going to go. Uh, this one, as always was a lot of fun. People can find you online at studiosimon.net and on Instagram at studio underscore Simon. Are there any other uh, uh, socials or online resources where people can find you? That's it. I'm, I try to, uh, I play a little hard to get. So uh, that's yeah. all, all I put out there. Well, the, the day that you decide to join Twitter, Twitter's going to explode. That's going to just, just you wait. Dan, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh I look forward to having you back on the podcast again soon. Well, thanks for having me on again, and I'm looking forward to the next one as well. All right, everyone, welcome back. Very excited to be joined now by Matt Grafer, who you know as the young professor. Matt, you're the on-field host for the Daytona Tortugas, which is great. And the reason you're here now talking to me now is because you're going to be on the, the banana ball tour with the Savannah Bananas, their traveling team. And in fact, when this episode drops, we're going to be like halfway through it. So you and I are recording this before you guys set sail here. So I'll ask you, first of all, now that you know this is dropping when we're halfway through the tour, how's the tour going so far? Gosh, you know what? I'm going to answer the way I should be answering it on the date that this is supposed to air. It is amazing. And it is an absolute dream come true to work with an organization uh, that I have admired from afar for a long time. And now just to be a part of this show, be a part of this production uh, and bring this level of energy to all these fans and, and spread the gospel of the bananas is fantastic. <laughs> all right. So before we get into the bananas, you do a lot of work sort of outside of baseball as well. So you're definitely the first person with these credentials that I've had on my podcast. What is it that you do out there in the world of MMA and, and wrestling? So uh, I began as a, a lowly professional wrestling ring announcer. Uh, that is where my journey in sports began. Um, uh, that, of all the sports, if I'm being perfectly 100% honest, that's my favorite. Uh, I grew up in a house where my parents were not, didn't have a particular affinity for sports, at least in the sense we never really watched any or followed it. 
closest maybe was baseball uh, because my grandfather, who we were pretty close with, was a huge Mets fan. So uh, I, I at least had that influence. And the Mets won the World Series the year I was born. And there's pictures of me watching it with my father as like a seven, eight month old, whatever I was in, in October of 86. Um, but I, I came to love wrestling in 2000, I'm sorry, not in 2000, in 1997 or so, 96, 97, which was kind of the peak of wrestling being the coolest thing in the world. Uh, and I fell in love and my love for it never ceased. I was a backyard wrestler when I was a 13, 14 year old. Uh, so that was the highlights of me in, in a ring, which was a trampoline at the time. Don't try this at home, kids. Uh, so from backyard wrestling, uh, the, the road gets off track and is non-sports related for quite some time. Uh, but eventually, uh, after I had already started working in entertainment as a live trivia host, uh, people had really started telling me, hey, your voice is great. You sound like you work. They would ask me if I worked for the Tortugas or, or the former Daytona Cubs, which just because I worked in the area. And the answer was always no, no, no. And eventually I said, well, why not? And wrestling was kind of what I had in mind. And there was a local promotion and uh, I reached out to them and they were looking for a ring announcer and they decided they wanted to try me out. And I showed up and they said, wow, you are actually really good. Can you keep coming back? And so for four years in multiple sports, I keep coming back. That's uh, that's fantastic. And so, you know, you're involved, obviously, as a regular with the Daytona Tortugas. What are the crossovers in your mind between minor league baseball and the world of, of wrestling? Entertainment. It's all about entertainment. It's all about engaging fans. It's all about making sure people have a good time. And, and so there's, there's quite a bit of crossover. Um, there's also maybe other crossovers from behind the curtain standpoint for both, but I don't want to shed too much light on what makes the show so special. Uh, but I, I used to look at these things, all the different sports I do. I've worked in arena football. I work in MMA, boxing, uh, minor league baseball. Uh, and and I, they hired me to do the same thing for live painting competitions. And so uh, I look at it all as the same thing. It's an opportunity to have fun and engage an audience. And, and it's just a blast. There's a lot of similarities, believe it or not. So this banana ball world tour is wildly popular. It's selling out every time they announce dates, it's, it's selling out and you can't get tickets to it. How did you get involved with this, this banana ball world tour? I got a chance to go and see their show and actually be a part of it a little bit last summer. And I was blown away. And as someone who's working in, in entertainment and in sports and like, there's no path or training or school for what I'm doing. I don't even know what it is. It, it feels like, you're on an unpaved road in the middle of the woods and you're just trying to turn it into something usable. Uh, I, I quickly spotted the bananas for what they were. They were the leaders in whatever it is that I'm doing. And so I sought them out. Uh, I actually, because I know how Jesse likes to do business. I, I bought his book. I listened to most of the episodes of his podcast. I follow all of his emails and his one minute boosts every Monday morning. I've learned a lot, but I knew that I wanted to learn more firsthand as part of the production. And so actually, um, I'm a big believer in when you have an inspired thought, act upon it. And I was with my wife in Target, I think in late November, and they were just starting to put out some of the Christmas ornaments and all that. And there was a banana and it was flat. It was relatively flat ornament. And I grabbed it and I said, 
I need this. I know what I'm going to do with it too. And I had this idea because I knew in my mind I wanted to do something with them. So I grabbed it and um, I set out to film a video. So I put a QR code together, filmed the video, pitching me just being a part of their tour. I wrote a poem. I had a guy who plays violin out in public. I hired him to help like play like sad violin music behind me. Uh, it's a pretty wild goose chase. So like I, I mailed this card to them saying, you know, thank you for having me out earlier. Uh, I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. Here's a banana ornament. And then sent this QR code because uh, I, I know what they look for for people to stand out. So it kind of made me kind of flex creatively. And I reached out to them and initially they were like, well, we already have hosts. And I said, I don't want to be a like, I don't want to be, the show's not about me. I want to learn. I will sell popcorn for you if that's what it takes to just learn and, and just be a part of what you're doing. And, and Jesse said, you're not going to sell popcorn. That's not what you're going to do. That's not, but if you think you have some ideas that maybe could contribute to the overall scope of the show, let's set up some time with our director of entertainment, Zach and I, and let's talk about it. So I came up with a great pitch and they stopped me halfway through it and were like, it's so funny, but we literally thought of that a month ago. We're already doing it what else do you have? And I was like, oh no, that's all I had. That <laughs> no. was my one big shot in the universe. I'm cooked. Yeah. Uh, but they said, you know what? Listen, go back to the drawing board, come up with 10 ideas and let's meet soon and pitch it. So I really sat and thought, and I came up with some crazy stuff that is wrestling oriented. That's all I'll tell you. Uh, if you've been to the show already at this point, then you've seen what we're talking about, but it was enough for them to consider me uh, as a valuable asset, as a moving part in the cast of characters that make up this tremendous show, this tremendous production. Uh, and by God, since I'm recording this in the past and it's now the present, I hope I'm killing it. And I hope that we are having a great time in front of these sold out crowds. <laughs> I have no doubt. I have no doubt that that's how it's going down right now. I wish I were out there on the tour with you, right? Cause this banana ball sounds like, you know, loads of fun in terms of like the actual game that's being played. So was it was there something about the actual brand, this logo that Dan Simon created, the 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 quote unquote badass banana that we've been talking about on this podcast? Was there something about the brand itself that attracted you? Oh, for sure, because I am a huge fan of all the wild uh, brands and, and identities of all of these minor league baseball teams. And I initially thought that the bananas were just another minor league team and they just have a really cool banana logo. I was like, Savannah Bananas, it's brilliant. That's awesome. Um, but not only do they have a kick-ass banana logo, they are a kick-ass banana team. And it's a whole different kind of operation than anything else I've ever seen before. And I personally have hosted over a thousand events. And just from my one experience going to a regular baseball game of theirs, so not even banana ball last year, I knew that this was something beyond special. And you take that logo and all the different variations of it, and especially the one when you slap it on there, Dolce and banana underwear, which I do own a pair. And I am proud to say that admitted <laughs> on this podcast, it is a beautiful, wonderful thing. Usually before I put it on, not so much after. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, they do have so many great products, right? Like, and it's, you know, it's really been sort of fun to, to see everything that they've been developing there. And, you know, and then like, as I mentioned, you uh, have a regular gig with the Daytona Tortugas, also a Dan Simon logo. And one of the logos that I have often just pointed to and said, Hey, that's one of my favorites with your involvement with these teams and these awesome fun logos, but maybe things that not everyone in the sort of mainstream is, is familiar with. Do you find yourself out there in the world having to explain, 
you know, people say, Hey, what are you doing out here on the road or who are you traveling with? Or what's this team or whatever? How hard do you have to work to explain what these teams are to folks? Not at all. Uh, because uh, you're, you're catching me in a relatively dressed down mode right now. Uh, most, <laughs> uh, if you see in the periphery of this camera right now, there's a lot of color behind me. Yes. And so uh, I present outwardly just normally as, a, as an outrageous character. And, and usually that kind of is like, so what do you do? And, and as soon as I kind of start in, give them the brief elevator speech version of it, uh-huh. people get it. And they're like, that's super cool. Like, tell me a little bit more. So there's not a ton of explaining. Uh, the fact that I walk out of the house the way I, I usually do kind of already kind of primes people for, for having some kind of strange conversation. So having kick-ass logos and cool brands and stuff to talk about that I'm affiliated with just kind of goes hand in hand with how I, I try to kind of live every single day. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, speaking about the the work that you do or the, or the the life that you live every single day, I did want to ask you because I know that in your in your day job, you're a high school teacher. That's correct. I'm a okay. former college professor. So I used to be young and a professor. So, so you used to be true. young and a professor. So how does working with professional wrestlers and MMA fighters and, you know, late teen to early 20 baseball players how does that measure up to having to control a classroom full of teenage high schoolers Uh, it's equally crazy uh equal amount of management no one pays attention you kind of have to always kind of be ready for whatever's coming your way be ready to anticipate all the problems and still make the show run on time and get everybody in the places they need to be and 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 move things along for the betterment of the entire group that there are a lot of similarities uh, a lot of handholding probably in both in some places more than others, but uh, there's, there's more parallels, I think in entertainment and education than most people would realize. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent agree with that. And what subject do you teach? So I'm a social studies teacher. So okay. right now I teach history. I teach world history, which I really love. And I never thought that I did. I thought I was an American history guy, but I, really dig world history. Uh, and I also teach psychology and I teach a couple of different psychology classes. That's what my initial, what my bachelor's degree was in. Uh, and when I was a college professor, I used to teach uh, sports medicine and exercise uh, programming programs, which my master's degree was in kinesiology with a focus in uh, sports psychology. So uh, I've taught a little bit of, of everything. I would say that you are uh, one of the most well-rounded guests I've had on, on this podcast for sure. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, well, Matt, it's been a pleasure to discover you on Twitter and to follow the work that you've been doing. Looking forward to seeing how this tour goes and following everything that you have going on there. Where can people find you on, uh, on the socials? Uh, I wish I had a little more synergy and all the different handles. So I will say that if you search the young professor, you will find me, but on Instagram, it's at MG, the young professor. And on Twitter, it's at young professor G. And I do have the young professor on Facebook and I'm pretty active across all those platforms. Fantastic. Well, this has been uh, so much fun. I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you reaching out and uh, I'm glad we found each other on online and uh, look forward to following you uh, and this tour And obviously, I will definitely have you on again uh, in the near future. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. And it's an honor to be a guest on the same episode as our fellow guests, as Dan Simon and Jesse Cole. Guys, I really look up to. So this has been an absolute pleasure and a privilege. Thank you so much.
Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Baseball by Design.